0: Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point, comes with a 20 year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners, Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Cam H One Brave Night, a Canada-wide challenge happening now until April 7th to raise funds for people living with mental illness and addiction. Guys, one in five Canadians experience mental illness in any given year. That adds up to millions of people across Canada, but you might never know it because there's so much stigma around mental illness. So on April 7th, thousands of people across Canada are going to step up and stay up to raise money and awareness for those living with mental illness and addiction, and I hope you will consider joining too. Together, we can redefine what normal is, and we can show those affected that it is okay to speak out about how they are feeling and seek help. If any of this resonates with you, there's something you can do about it right now. You can go to onebravenight.ca/canadaland and sign up for CAMH One Brave Night. Once again, that is onebravenight.ca/canadaland. Jen Gerson, hi, Calgary correspondent with the National Post. Thank you for coming back onto Canada Land Shortcuts.
1: Thanks for pulling me out of the deep, dark depths of my child-infested, vomit-filled basement.
0: Yeah, no problem. We're going to be talking today about Quebec. They are butthurt hurt over a bad McLean's article again. Poor Pookies. We're going to be talking about award season in Canadian journalism. Yay! And we're going to be talking about uh, now international, possibly Canadian bands on large electronics on planes from some places. One more reason to never go anywhere ever again.
1: Yay!
0: Good to have you back.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Chloe Smith, Sarabjot Samra, Kristen McLean, Ryan, Adam Travis, Bill Metcalf, Laura Hill, and Leo McKay. Leo, why did you decide to be Awesome. Because five or six times a year, something happens in Canadian media, something outrageous and absurd, and I look around and think, why is nobody losing their shit over this? And then I turn on Canada Land, and you are losing your shit. I find comfort in that. Jen, this episode is also brought to you by hover.com Do you know that they offer a .mom domain suffix?
1: Why, goodness me no, all of my uh, dreams to become a mommy blogger, all those aspirations can be now fulfilled.
0: Look, I don't mean to limit you. There's also .mo, there's .guru, there's .fish. There are 400 domain <laughs> extensions to choose from.
1: Basically, I can be like a cow guru mom fish. Be perfect.
0: Absolutely. You, the, the, the dream is, is yours to realize. Uh, listen, if what you want is a domain name or an email address, you should not have to opt out of page after page of add-ons that you do not want or need. And that is why Hover only offers domains in email, so you can focus on finding a great domain name and go back to working on your great idea. Idea. They also believe you should not have to pay for things that should already be included with your domain. So most people don't realize that when you register a domain name, your contact information, including your email address, your phone number, your home address, all of that like is automatically published online for marketers to spam you and hackers to find out what's going on. They offer at hover who is privacy. They can obscure all that information from the public for free. It doesn't cost them anything more to do that. So why should it cost you anything more? Unlike other domain providers who will charge you something for that purely to profit, not because it costs them anything. So look, go to hover.com slash Canada land. Just go check out and see what domain suffixes they have. Go see if the URL that you're looking for is available and under what suffix. Go to hover.com slash Canada land. So find yours today. Once again, that is hover.com slash Canada land. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, And just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help as the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get ten percent off of your first month at BetterHelp.com/CanadaLand. That's BetterH.E.L.P.com/CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca/canadaland to help them treat addiction and build hope.
1: Andrew Potter vit à Montréal depuis 1 an à peine, mais selon lui, le cafouillage sur l'autoroute 13, le manque de communication sont le résultat d'un manque de solidarité qui gangrène la société québécoise.
0: Oh, my God, Jen, this Andrew Potter piece in (laughs) McLean's. I'm so happy about this controversy. I know people are very upset about it, but in this horrible world where horrible things are happening, this is so absurd and low stakes. And I love everything about this story. I just love it to bits.
1: This is the most Canadian, like, brouhaha you could possibly imagine. It's beautiful. It's, It's a beautiful heartening testament to the parochial and utterly passionate nature of the Canadian spirit.
0: Can you summarize it for our listeners? Can you tell people, like, I don't even, start with a snowstorm and, and let's let's just lay it out.
1: Okay, I didn't even hear about the snowstorm over here in Calgary until I read about it in, in, in Andrew Potter's piece. Apparently, there's this big snowstorm and a lot of people got trapped in the highway near Montreal, I believe, right? It was a giant, you know, mess. It was a big clusterfuck and there's some motorists trapped in their cars and no one came to help them and it was all very apocalyptic. Is that is that correct?
0: Yeah, there was a 12-hour traffic jam. There were some trucks at the front. This Apparently, there, there was a trucker who refused to be towed. So Basically, everything that can break, and in Quebec, lots of things break all the time, and they all broke at once, apparently, and they're trying to figure out what the hell happened. But for 12 hours, people were trapped in their cars on a highway.
1: Yeah, and in, 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 yeah. brutal weather. Which is which is no joke. It's no. serious stuff. Yeah.
0: Questions should be asked, etc., cetera, et cetera.
1: So, Potter, who I believe is now working at McGill...
0: Well, where, where did he used to work? Tell well,
1: he used to work. He used to work at the the Ottawa Citizen. He used to be the editor. Chief the Ottawa Citizen has now gone to into academia to work at McGill, and I believe he has a fellowship there. He, he then writes this piece for Macleans. Uh, Macleans, of course, Macleans. <laughs> and it's a bit hyperbolic, but he he it's a very fact based piece, and it's he backs it up with a lot of stats, suggesting that essentially Quebec is dealing with a level of, of civic breakdown and s- lack of social cohesion. Is, is basically the thesis of his piece. And that this big traffic jam was quite indicative of the, the low-trust, alienated society that Quebec has evolved into. Now, there were a couple of f- minor errors in the piece. There were a couple of terms of phrases that were a bit hyperbolic. But as Quebec is wont to do, it then lost its shit over this McLean's piece and inundated McLean's with with complaints and angry responses, et cetera, et cetera, with shades of the Bonhomie corruption story from many years past.
0: When, when McLean's, Marty Patrick writing in McLean's wrote that Quebec is the most corrupt province in Canada and it became like a provincial incident, McLean's was rebuked by the legislature. Yeah,
1: and it turns out that they were completely correct, by the way. <laughs> they were totally vindicated in the end, 100%, and like, like. How many Quebec city mayors are now facing jail time? Like, like it's, it, they were completely correct about that that assertion. Nonetheless, this is now happening. This is Bonhomie 2, uh, the this, this sequel. And uh, poor Andrew Potter has been inundated with very, very angry people who are calling him an idiot. And, and this isn't the Quebec that I understand and I, I, uh, that, that reflects the, the community I live in, et cetera, et cetera.
0: I'm picking up on something that I need to are – you, are you pro-Potter? In this whole fracas? You're sounding a little pro-Potter. Dare I
1: even suggest it? Do I, do I want to risk me and my son's life by suggesting that I think perhaps the Quebec might be losing its shit a little bit ridiculously? Um,
0: Dude, even Andrew Potter isn't pro-Potter. He's walked back the whole damn thing. He
1: retracted thing. his statement in a Facebook, in the most bizarre uh, <laughs> Facebook apology I've ever read that had one phrase in it that completely stuck in my craw. I, I think you could probably take some issue with some some of the some of the points in the piece. Like, like, you think? Uh, <laughs> sure, you could. I mean, he got. He can, got a can,
0: can I just get in here for a minute on the piece? Basically, he goes from the fact that there was this traffic delay in the twelve hours in the snowstorm, and this is evidence. I'll quote here, it reveals the essential malaise eating away at the foundations of Quebec society. He goes on, Quebec is an almost pathologically alienated and low trust society.
1: There are two issues here. One is that, like, the thesis of the piece and whether or not the thesis of the piece is is defensible. That is one issue. The second issue is just the overwhelming response to the piece. Totally. These are two distinct issues. So if we're going to talk about the thesis of the piece first, do I think that perhaps that thesis is a little bit hyperbolic and a bit over the top? Uh, yeah, sure. No, no question. I wouldn't dispute that. He's, he's clearly taking the, some, some liberties as a columnist and, and, a, and as a commentator. He's using uh, some hyperbolic language, no question. There were some nitpicking issues with, with uh, some facts in the piece, fine, whatever. I mean, I think he's... One of the issues that got pointed out, for example, is that he said something to the effect of, you know, every restaurant issues two bills so that you can basically pay under the table.
0: Every restaurant... Every restaurant gives you t-
1: Some restaurants do that. So it got correct. So so I mean don't worry. There, I lived
0: th- I lived in Montreal for for almost a decade and I can give you anecdote after anecdote about various forms of corruption and you know graft and little tax evasions there's tons of that stuff. No one's ever given me two different bills
1: and I've never at a restaurant. I I don't know. But so, so so like you can take issue with these sorts of issues but then do any of these issues fundamentally undermine the, the less hyperbolic thesis of the piece, which is actually quite well backed up with stats, which suggests that, in fact, Quebec is uniquely alienated and, and there's, there's a breakdown of, of civil cohesion. And I think he makes a pretty fair argument to that extent. I mean, and I'll bring, bring up an example here from, from Alberta. When the Alberta floods happened in 2013 and, you know, uh, 100,000 people got evacuated from their homes the level of social cohesion I saw in the response to those floods was nothing short of tear-jerkingly remarkable. I mean, literally thousands of people came out to affected flooded homes, put on their boots, and spent days and days and days shoveling out shit and mud from total strangers' basements, ripping out drywall, hard work, and they were doing it for complete strangers. I mean... I can't even describe this, even to this day, it still sticks with me, you know, what, four years later. People were spontaneously setting up neighborhood block areas where volunteers could come and sign in, and, you know, you had kids running around giving people free donuts and Tim Hortons.
0: Oh, you dropped the, the the patriotic Tim Hortons reference. Oh, Jen, God, Absolutely. God was, bless their prairie it hearts. It was classic.
1: And I will also point out to the to the Alberta wildfires. Okay, people, random strangers filled up their RVs and like headed directly into a burning city to try and provide like homegrown, a non-directed, non-government directed aid to the people who are trying to escape the wildfires. I mean, this sort of stuff in Alberta is very common. If you had or a couple hundred people stranded on a highway for 12 hours in a snowstorm on the Transcan just just uh, just south of me here in, in, in Calgary, I would bet anyone $1,000 that you would have strangers literally putting on their snowshoes and skis, packing up their backpacks with, you know, food and blankets and trying to help those people out. And I don't think that Alberta is unique in this. I think the majority of Canada is like this
0: except for Quebec where i understand from andrew potter that people who are locked in that 12 hour uh, traffic jam were actually eating each other's children
1: <laughs> but 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 you know it it raises some questions about why that spontaneous help didn't seem to materialize in Quebec in the way that I would absolutely expect it to materialize.
0: It did. It did. It did. It did. They, the people in the cars were absolutely helping each other. If you ran out of fuel, somebody would offer you a spot in their car.
1: So you're saying, so you're saying that, that this is just factually wrong. He just got the facts of, of what happened in this snowstorm wrong. No, he doesn't even deal with
0: that side of it. He doesn't even de- look. I I actually no, but agree with you. Was he wrong
1: you. or wasn't he wrong, Jesse? This is the important point. Is he like I I I've never lived in Quebec. I have no idea. I have no clue.
0: Is he wrong that the failure of the city to clear this traffic jam and the failure, I suppose, I guess, hypothetically, of people to strap on skis and bring thermoses of brandy, which I don't know if it did or didn't happen, it could have happened. Is he wrong that that is evidence that? Here, and let, me, let, let me quote again. The proportion of people who report having zero close friends is <laughs> highest in Quebec. And you didn't even the cops don't only not wear uniforms, they're wearing clownish pink, yellow, and red camouflage pants. Well, that's just, no, that, that's factually true. No, the, the piece is wrong in that it is a classic, like, it feels like Andrew Potter got home angry from, like, having, you know, being, like, butted in line at the supermarket. And then is like, this society is going to hell because I had a bad day.
1: I can't actually comment about whether or not his thesis is correct or or incorrect. All I can point out is that almost all of the reaction that he's received has had nothing to do with actually rebutting his thesis. It's almost had everything to do with... Fuck you, outsider, Andrew Potter, you're an idiot, I hate you, this is, this is, you know, another evil Anglo, you know, whatever, shitting on Quebec. It's got nothing to do with, with actually rebutting the thesis. And that to me is, is very indicative because that to me is almost exactly what we saw with the Bonhomie stuff. It's almost exactly what we saw with Jan Wong and the Pure Lane response when, she, when she went into Quebec and dared to, to assert that, um, you know, what was his name? The shooter and the, the, wasn't Pure Lane and that might have contributed to his alienation. Yeah, Kim Virgil, yeah. Again, you can dispute these theses. Of course you can. But what I'm pointing out here is that uh, the reaction to them has, is is so over the top. It's it's so personal. It's so defensive. Oh, and I would also point out, it's not just Quebec that has these over the top reactions to being oh. criticized. When McLeans went into Winnipeg, it was the same thing. I think ten more than ten years ago, they 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 did a story I think about Regina, and it was the same thing. I mean, on a much smaller scale, a couple of years ago, I did a story about a um, a kidnapping in Sparwood, B.C., and I had the audacity to mention that a lot of people there lived in like trailer parks and seemed pretty poor and like to this day I'm afraid to go to Sparwood British Columbia because like I'm that terrible evil city girl from the Calgary Herald who had the audacity to point out that there were poor people in Sparwood BC. I mean I'm expecting some evil tweets even just to mention that to this day. You're totally
0: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is actually what unites Canada. Quebec is not uh, in its own little solitude. We're all really thin-skinned losers. But this is why I love this story. Yes,
1: that's what I'm saying. I'm saying we're we're a country of thin-skinned losers who cannot talk tolerate outsiders coming in and criticizing us it it's a <laughs> universal
0: I mean, this is such mild stuff. It's it's it, it's like if a comedian is just like, hey, New York sucks. Like you can say that and not have an international incident where like the premier of Quebec has decried this column. Uh, Melanie Jolie, like member of the of the Trudeau cabinet, the, uh, the leader of the opposition. Like this is another huge incident. And like they're in the habit of like publicly rebuking Macleans and other publications. But this is why I love this story so much. We don't have to praise Potter. We can make fun of everybody in this. Listen to this. This is one of the comments that's I think, you know, not even, a standout from the Facebook after Potter apologized for the piece. This is from Mark Dufour commenting on Facebook underneath the apology. You are an asshole. The... Tip- <laughs> <laughs> the, the The typical Anglo asshole with his dribbling hatred of everything French just because you have the typical cultural inferiority complex of the petty bourgeois who faces a culture infinitely richer than your own dismal, bigoted shopkeeper excuse for a culture that knows only about buying cheap and selling expensive while hoping no one figures out how much you screw them. You are one of the...
1: And if Andrew Potter had come into like Calgary and was just like, you know what, this city is like economically stratified and snobbish, he would have been exactly the same thing. And it would have been a bunch of like people saying, you uh evil uh East Coast, you know, uh, uh, Laurentian consensus elites coming in and trashing Alberta and your blah 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 blah. It would have been exactly the same thing. It's uh, I I almost want to give it a name. It's like it's like the stranger syndrome, right? If a quote unquote perceived outsider comes in and makes a completely fair, accurate observation that is negatively yeah. persi- is neg- negatively reflects on the place in which they are observing it. It's like the response is almost universally insane. It's completely insane. You gotta have like the mayor speak out, the premier's gotta speak out. Like it's all of the politicians will now get take points from their electorate by shit canning the writer. Like it's it yeah. becomes
0: it's a gimme. It's just an easy, cheap way.
1: And Quebec, I'm sorry, Quebec is a bad is a bad offender for this. Like like Quebec's done this more than other cities, but it's not. As I said it's not just Quebec who responds in this way. It's, it's Anglo Canada is exactly the same thing.
0: I, lo- I love everything that's been written about this. I'll continue from Mark Dufour. You are one of the many reasons why we want to get the fuck out of your immensely boring, <laughs> racist, idiotic, incompetent excuse for a country that has so many skeletons in its closet that it's totally ossified. You are yet another proof that Anglo's hate and despise us, and that we have no place. In your bland country, damn! I like that better than the first column. I love the—I love everything that's been written. I love the corrections McLean has issued. Here's one of the corrections: We have also removed a reference in an earlier version of this article, noting that quote: "Bank machines routinely dispense fifties by default."
1: Can I also just say, like, if I were McLean's, I would own this reputation so much, I would literally send a writer to every single uh, major city in Canada in order just to trash it, and I would call it, uh, what is uniquely wrong with your terrible fucking city, like the, the, like the, the McLean's edition? Like, I would just, just own this. I would do an entire magazine.
0: You could do a whole book like that, right?
1: Yeah, like, you could do a entire little, like, or a special edition, and like...
0: Right. The Canada Land Guide to Canada hits bookstores this May, May 2nd, The Canada oh Land Guide to Canada. They're on my turf.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't even have the correspondence. I would have literally people who don't live in these cities and I would send them out to random places. Like, like send Jason Marks off, off to uh, Charlottetown and just shit on Charlottetown and be like, this this city's been dining out on its Anne of Green Gables reputation for a hundred years and it's bullshit. Anne of Green Gables isn't that good, guys. And Green Gables is like a stupid landmark. And like, like by the way, redheads <laughs> suck. Like, I would I would own this. Uh, you
0: know, screw every other topic. We're just talking about this today. There's, <laughs> every part of this is wonderful. First of all, everyone's a coward. McLean's has walked it back. Andrew Potter has walked it back. McGill, the the, the opinions expressed by J. Andrew Potter, the head of our Canadian studies department, do not represent those of McGill is our tweet. Oh, thank you for that official statement because I was otherwise under the impression (laughs) that every half-assed hot take that a faculty member writes for McLean's is the official position of your university. Thank you for clarifying. (laughs) And can
1: we also just point out, okay, okay, this is really funny, but can we point out like the level of insanity and political pressure that that McGill must have been put under in order to issue that tweet and how completely indicative of how unhealthy a political discourse and culture Quebec has become.
0: Yeah, to hell with academic freedom, to to hell with the idea that a university is separate from...
1: Just reminding people that this asshole isn't one of us.
0: And this is just about nothing. You're right, though. There is a piece that's buried in in Andrew Potter's... Every part of this tells us about everything that's going on because Andrew Potter is obviously... like People leave news. He was the editor-in-chief of a newspaper and they're bored stiff. Like an... academic posts some sinecure getting paid well it's so boring they just want to come back in and stir shit up like he knows better than to write garbage like this buried within it were some good stuff like the stats about civic engagement levels being lower in Quebec than anywhere else the stats about like uh, loneliness and people having like lower levels of friendship over 75 that's statistical information that you could write a solid piece from but he just (laughs) he just fires off this nonsense and this comes on the heels of like people were saying like if you're going to write stuff that's this factually incorrect and this lousy and this Quebecophobic, which was actually what the Premier used. They called it Quebecophobic, thank you. <laughs> then somebody suggested you should just stop covering Quebec. To which Marty Patrickan, the recently laid-off Quebec correspondent who has written Anti-Quebec stuff that was far more solid than this said, yeah, too late for that. They already fired their Quebec no. correspondent. They have no Quebec Bureau anymore, which maybe is why they're like, I bet Andrew Potter would like to give whatever $300 check he got from a for this piece of okay, so
1: Can we also talk about the fact that Andrew Potter walked this back and retracted it on Facebook? Because I think that that bothers me more than any other part of this entire piece.
0: Absolutely.
1: Because whether or not you agree with the thesis, the thesis right or wrong, whether or not you thought it was hyperbolic, Fine, whatever. I mean, we can d- debate that, and we can have a journalistic debate, and that's fine. But we can do that without necessarily expecting Andrew Potter needed to retract that. Like That, that didn't need to happen. That That's a bit absurd. And there was one thing that really bothered me about his Facebook retraction. Oh, okay, so this in his apology, he says, and this is a quote, A political writer's first duty is to reflect his community back to itself. Quite obviously, I failed. When people you read and respect tell you they don't recognize their society in your description, it signals a failure of empathy and imagination, and it is time to take a step back. Okay, a political writer's first duty is to reflect his community back to itself. What does that mean? Uh,
0: dude, I think what he's saying is that we should write things that people like.
1: Yes, that, that's how I would interpret that statement. Like, a political duty's first duty is to reflect his community back to... Sorry, in in a way that they
0: would like to be reflected? I mean, the fact of the matter is that they're, they're absolutely not. I mean...
1: I'm sure Quebec would like to be reflected back to itself as being this utterly uh, a beautiful, cohesive society um, that is so perfect and unique and distinct. It would love to be reflected. Uh, I'm sure Calgary would love to be reflected as this um, a unique, Weekly entrepreneurial place where nothing ever goes wrong and there is no, you know, socioeconomic stratification. I'm sure they would love to be reflected that way. I'm not writing that piece. Fuck off. That's yeah. not a political writer's job at all.
0: It's actually very low value. Like like saying nice things about, about a place that reaffirms people's nicest conceptions of themselves is like kind of a useless thing to express. There is something in this that that speaks to the actual mission of a political writer, and that Quebec is so aberrantly opposed to facing. There is something to this thing that keeps coming up that Marty was writing about in the corruption thing that Quebec society... I'll speak about Montreal where I lived, okay? Mm. I fucking love the place. I love it there. But I can't detach everything I love. And I think I might actually be, there's a connection... It doesn't work very well. It is a strange city where things like just work slowly. There is a lot of graft. There is a problem with the way that uh, organized labor functions in Montreal. There is a problem with like actual like mafia. There is a problem with corruption's um, influence on the bureaucracy, the, the layers of bureaucracy. The infrastructure is crumbling. There is a reliance on all kinds of subsidies, subsidies for all sorts of things. It's a very hard place to do business. It doesn't want to be like the rest of North America, which is kind of what makes it great. But like, you know, there is just such a sensitivity about talking about that. But there is something there that needs to be dealt with. And there is a rule in Quebec that Anglos aren't allowed to talk about that stuff.
1: Well, and I would also, lest anybody thinks that we are a bunch of evil, bland, Quebecophobic Anglophones who just want to shit on Quebec, I would also point out that criticism of the place in which you are working isn't you know unique to Quebec Quebec is not the place in Canada where where only bad things happen where only corruption happens that's that's nonsense I mean I mean some of the stuff that you've highlighted in 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 Canada land about you know the Irving's families and, the, and their 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 undue influence on journalism and issues in in Atlantic Canada you know I could point to half a dozen issues with the political scene here in Alberta which is consistently goddamn bad but if we can't go in if you think if you think that the job of a political writer is to go in and to reflect a community back to itself, then we can't really touch on any of that. None of it. It's, it's all off limits.
0: Yeah, no, everybody's totally covered in shame on this one. He never should have apologized and come up with that ridiculous description. McGill acted ridiculously.
1: I can see what you're saying is that he didn't ground this thesis in enough solid reporting and solid fact in order to make it totally indefensible. There were there were weaknesses in the piece that people were allowed to tear it down. But as I said, I would come back to the idea that I don't really think anybody's effectively debated the the rebuttal. Almost all of this criticism is just, again, it's it's stranger syndrome response. It's evil anglo comes in and trashes on Quebec, fuck you. And that's that's you know, okay fine, I understand that response, but that's an emotional response. That's not a rational rebuttal of what he's suggesting. Oh.
0: <laughs> Okay Jen, I think we have uh, beat this absolutely to death. Maybe we have time for one more segment. Let's skip duly noted and let me just thank our second sponsor. This episode is also brought to you by Borowell, a company that we've worked with in the past, a company that I actually used before they were a sponsor. What I told you about Borowell in the past, this is a financial upstart borrowwell.com. You can just go and check your credit score. I mean, this is information that was kept from us. Everybody else, our employers, our banks could access our credit ratings and nobody bothered to do this. It cost money to do it and it wasn't really made available to you. Information about you. Now you can just go and for free, go to borrowwell.com and check your credit rating. Today, I'm going to talk to you about another thing they offer, which is some relief from your credit card debt. Credit card debt is a huge problem in Canada. The average credit card debt per person is $4,094. Sometimes you're getting like 19.9% interest rates on that. It is absurd and it affects middle class and, and low income people most of all. Borrowell can save Canadians in credit card debt a significant amount of money, $4,800 on average per Borrowell's figures. Just like their free credit score service, there is no risk in checking this out. They can get you into a better loan rate that you might qualify for depending on your credit score. It only takes a few minutes and checking your loan options won't affect your score. You can browse around with no impact. In fact, it makes sense to check out what you qualify for, even just to know what options are available in the future. Check it out at Borrowell.com slash CanadaLand. For breaking news, the winner is the Ottawa Citizen. In a few minutes will honour one winner of the Michener Award. This year we received 30 excellent entries from newspapers and broadcasters across Canada, five more than last Canada year. Canada does with its own unique awards program, RTDNA, honours the best in electronic journalism with the regional and national Edward R. Murrow it's Awards.
1: It's been an absolutely inspiring night, thanks to... <laughs> Everyone
0: in this room, your work has been courageous and sensitive and quite brilliant. Jen, are you nominated? No, I'm
1: not. (laughs) Okay, so I have to say right off the bat that as a National Post employee, I'm sort of obligated to express bitterness and dissatisfaction with the National Newspaper Awards because Uh every year it becomes, for the most part, it's a Globe and Toronto Starfest and the Post is consistently left out of the club. And for those people who are listening to the show who aren't journalists, I I think we have to explain what the uh, National Newspaper Awards are. Because there is absolutely no way that a non-journalist would have ever heard of the goddamn things nor care.
0: Is there any explanation beyond that, like, we just have umpteen award shows, and this is one of them. I mean, every industry seems to love to festoon people with awards, and we are maybe most guilty of that because we don't actually have jobs or money to give people anymore. Uh,
1: absolutely. And, and I should think we also point out that if you are a newspaper journalist, the National Newspaper Awards is second probably only to the Mishners in terms of their sort of importance. Basically what happens is that every year, dozens of, of newspaper journalists and sometimes non-newspaper journalists get nominated for these awards. And, um, the, the newsrooms themselves take these awards ridiculously seriously and everybody then gets, uh, shuttled off to usually some like sea level conference room in a hotel in a city to go to the stuffy little area that's barely decorated to collect these little paper plaques that are covered in frames, eat rubber chicken, and then get drunk. And, you know, it's a fun time, sort of, in a way, and, I think I should say something really good about the NNAs, and that is I think that uh, they can, at their absolute best, give much-needed recognition and a nice ego boost to people who really deserve it and who really need it. People who work really hard in this industry, who really get shat on, you know, 364 days out of the year. And one day, you know, they get celebrated by their peers. And that's a really wonderful thing. I would also give awards generally this kudos. And that is, I think that they can be used to marshal resources to underreported stories. That is, I think that reporters can go to their editors and be like, look, this is a really important story. I think it needs to be covered. I think it's award bait. And therefore, we should really be marshalling some resources, some time, some money to covering it. I think that that is. Oh, and I would also say this, is that sometimes at their best, the NNAs can highlight work and awards that gets completely overlooked and ignored in central Canada.
0: Jen, you fucking Canadian. This is your preamble for your excoriating hot take against the awards and you were basically giving the awards. I'm an going award to shit first. on
1: them in just a second, okay? All right? I'm going to get there. You don't
0: have to preface it. Have at it, please.
1: That is them at their best. At their absolute worst, they're a totally and utterly subjective complete and total bullshit central canadian toronto media party fucking circle jerk that <laughs> mean absolutely nothing and yet have institutions and individuals chasing very hollow vanities that are utterly meaningless and serve no function to the actual audiences that they should be serving.
0: That's Jen Gerson. Can I just point out how halting and careful you were for the for the preamble, but how naturally that that second part came to you? You just added so much more in your element for that part. because
1: I'm a horrible person. You,
0: you are, and that that's that's why you're here, because that's actually useful. Whereas the first part, you know, okay, awards can be nice. There is a, a problem, like most people just don't give a damn about this. They don't know the awards exist, and why should they care? And you're right, who cares? Give people some recognition, why not? Here's the why not. In an economy where papers are like not making money anymore and journalism isn't making money anymore, these awards kind of like are this monopoly currency that you use as like insurance to not get fired. You think that, you know, you won't get laid off. And I think to the institution, which, as you say, are awards obsessed, especially the Globe and the Star, it's like that's what they do instead of. They they and, and and it starts to influence maybe in a good way. They try to have some awards bait that are like you know. And I've talked about this before. There's some stories that are like kind of eye rolling in just how virtuous they try to be. And then there's other things that are like I call those stories award award bait. Award bait. Yeah. Some award bait is actually good stuff. But you hear about pernicious effects of this. You hear about the institution decides which stories to feature and turn into award bait, and they favor certain things, and other things are almost like pesky when they win awards.
1: At its they're, now, worst, they're crafting these stories in order to win awards as opposed to in order to serve the audiences or make changes or do the things that journalism is supposed to do.
0: Yes. And and the worst thing that can happen, you know what, I'm going to go blind item here. Okay. Blind item, a major Canadian newspaper, I am told on good authority, held back a major consequential investigation for months in order to position it in the next calendar year for an awards purpose. And this was a story that had a lot of impact for a lot of people and had policy ramifications that if, in fact, this story was ready months earlier, there's a very strong argument that it should have come out as soon as it was ready. And I I am told on good authority that it was held back so that they could win more awards. And quick note, the reason why I'm presenting that as a blind item and not telling you which paper and which story that is, is that we haven't verified it. We haven't confirmed it to the point where we're happy to go and actually report that and tell you all the details, which we would like to do. So if you know what I'm talking about and you have information about that, uh, we are happy to talk to you on an anonymous basis. You can hit up Goldsby at editor at CanadaLandShow.com.
1: Look, I mean, I think for me as a writer, the real problem that I have with these is watching them come out, particularly at the post where I'm, you know, as I said, contractually obliged to be bitter about them. Is that you know these things come out and in every newsroom that 's not the post or the star where they 're like you know getting into these weird pissing contests and beating on their chests for their nomination counts in every other place they just they just shit on morale because in every other newsroom you have so many people who are working their asses off under more and more pressure under fewer and fewer resources, and they 're doing really good work that often isn 't recognized and you know i can 't tell you here being here at Calgary how many times i 've seen things like a really important local story that the local papers just fucking killed it on. And then the nomination of the award goes to the Globe and Mail. That happens all the time. And, and it just reinforces to me the fact that these are really subjective. They're really bullshit. A lot of it has to do with the way that the, the stories are presented, the way that um, awards are submitted, And, you know, I think that, you know, at The Post, this is where I talk about The Post and how I'm personally bitter about it, is that, you know, I would not expect The Post to be killing it in the investigative journalism category, because we don't do a lot of investigative journalism. But, you know, The Post is consistently overlooked in the columnist category, it's like there's one goddamn thing our paper does well. It's columnists. Fuck off, <laughs> like, you know.
0: Terry Corcoran, Barbara Kay, Conrad Black. Andrew When will these people Iverson. finally? Like, I'm
1: sorry, you. What <laughs> will finally get the recognition? Come on now. you can right, right. right. disagree. That's that's the one thing that we've really focused on, and we do well. But anyway, that's that's a personal whatever rant. But you know, I, I see a lot of times the words go to stuff that again I won't name, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So, you know, to me, a lot of this is bullshit. And, and I also find that as a, as a writer, that the newsrooms that take this seriously, that take these awards too seriously, and a lot of them really do, it has the writers chasing the wrong things. It has the writers putting a lot of their self-worth and their self-esteem into essentially the external validation of a bunch of, you know, retired J school profs. Some of them are judges who would like have haven't worked in the field in 20 years,
0: we're, we're not supposed to be so damn honorable. We're, we're not supposed to be so virt- like you. Know, you, got, you got to get in the muck if you want a story. And if you're if you're concerned with prestige,
1: our our job isn't to chase prestige. That is not what we should be doing. As I said, it it, it has you chasing this external validation of really people of judges essentially and. I think that as a journalist, it's the one profession where you actually have to have, it's not the one profession, that's a ridiculous thing to say. It's a profession where you have to have like a rock solid sense of your own self-worth and your own sense of, of an ego that is grounded in certainty that you are happy with what you are doing for your own purposes and your own sake. And when you are chasing prestige and you're chasing awards like this, it undermines your ability to be confident as a writer in what you were doing for your own sake. And and that's where I think that these awards can be very pernicious and um, hurtful because I see so many writers doing really amazing work and, and they're only competing against themselves. They're, they're constantly pushing themselves to be better and better and better. And then these awards come out and it's like, the air gets left, led out of the, the newsroom for like a full day. People get really yeah. down on themselves about them. And that's totally ridiculous. And intellectually, we all know that's completely ridiculous because we are all very proud of what we do.
0: Like, as we said earlier, our job is often to tell people things about themselves that they don't want to hear. So, you know, that's, that's a strange service to provide. And you can't be chasing after, uh, you know, you, you can't want everybody to like uh, celebrate you and do that job well at the same time. Jen, I just, I'm curious here, you ever won a National Newspaper Award?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess I did.
0: You did? Oh, congratulations. That's amazing. Like, ages ago.
1: Who cares? But here's where I have such a hard time is that I won that, you know, when I was really young and starting out in my career, and every year I've produced work that I think is is better than what I won the award for, and, like, like, like better reported, better written. Like, I've in, in the last 10 years, I've improved hugely, and I've never been nominated since, and that's fine. But I look back at it and I'm like, okay, so you're gonna tell me I my, my peaked in my career like whatever, 10 years ago? Of course I didn't. I got much, much better from there, but nobody recognized it and that's fine because I was happy. I learned to be happy with what I was doing for my own sake and that's all that really mattered. My
0: biggest problem is that there is no award for best defensive, desperate, angry screed because I think that this episode would be a shoe in
1: And on that note, my baby is crying. Jen Gerson.
0: Well, end on the baby crying. Okay. Jen Gerson, I'll let you get back to your kid. Thank you. That's your Canada Land Shortcuts. You can email me at Jesse at canadalandshow.com. We're on Twitter at Canada Land. Where can people find you?
1: Uh, Don't, don't. I'm taking care of a baby. Leave me alone. Quebec, don't don't hate me, Quebec. Don't hate me. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> Jen's gone. Our website is canadalandshow.com. Our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. Tickets are selling briskly for our international tour of Canada. Get yours at CanadaLandShow.com/booktour. I make this show with Russell Gregg. If you like what we do, please support us.